Rank Draft Trade. Welcome back to the Rank Draft Trade podcast. Today we're going to be talking about trading. Just kind of open discussion and an opportunity to talk about our philosophies, strategies, buys or sells, and how buy weeks might affect your trading philosophies, theories, strategies. Ooh, strategies. Stratagems. Wait, what did you say? Strategies. I can't. <laughs> I've been drinking since I got home from work. I'll laugh at anything right now. Nice. <laughs> we laughed a lot last podcast. It was awesome. <laughs> like, it was nonstop jokes. Oh, it, no, it seriously. Like, I laughed the whole time. There was a couple times I literally was, like, in the back seat just dying. Which, I mean, when I listened to, like, I know little side conversations that didn't make the pod that are funny, too, but... There isn't an episode I have listened to that I haven't laughed my ass off. I'm like, I'm a huge fan. What can I say? <laughs> who we're buying, who we're selling, and how it all affects bye weeks. And Marlon Mack. And how it affects Marlon Mack. Does this affect Marlon Mack? Seven gold men. <laughs> do, 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 do. I forgot he existed. So did everyone except Kyle <laughs> Shanahan. Indiana remembers. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Why am I? so much trouble. I think I need to start drinking. You should. Why are you not? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I haven't drank it for a long time. Like, I got comfortable and I was like, I don't need to drink while we do this. She, she stops ringing her bell. <laughs> to text the car, man. I was afraid. I know. Craig, if you could bring me a drink. They're not here right now. They went to go get stuff to make pumpkins for school. Make pumpkins. Those things take time to grow. Yeah, they got <laughs> seeds. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're fake pumpkins, you guys. <laughs> I have like 60 fake pumpkins. It's like crazy. My wife just collects glass blown pumpkins. It's insane. Oh. They're everywhere. Where do you keep them all? And the adult Happy Meal toys. And Happy Meal toys. Not that the toys are adult, but the adult Happy Meals. She did not want me to buy them. She kind of yelled at me at that. Oh, wow. But she does collect miniatures. So like I got her other, I got her advent calendars and miniatures and stuff. So that made up for it. <laughs> it's so nice. She's like, you're not spending $100 on four Happy Meal toys. You're insane. <laughs> Whatever, if you thought you wanted them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the moment I knew Mike was in a super healthy relationship when he said that when one of them takes a shower, the other one has like the pajamas and everything folded on the bed for him. Oh, stop it. Is this true? Oh, yeah. And the robe or, or the slippers, whenever they get out of the shower every time, I was like, oh my God, goals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no, she's wonderful. If I go to bed and I forgot, like, I always bring a cup of water to bed with me. Like, not, I don't sleep with the cup of water, but it's, like, on my bedside I table. I keep waking up soaked. Yeah. <laughs> I keep waking up and I'm all wet and, oh, God. Okay. Uh, anyway, I'll be like, oh, I don't want to get my water. I forgot my water. And Craig's like, all right, I'll go get it. I'm like, you're the best. That's about the uh, the extent of he's definitely not going to have my pajamas laid out. That's that's love. Sometimes wear professional pajamas. I like those a lot. Wait, what is a professional pajama? You know, like the the collars and everything. Oh. Does it have a tie? You know, like the, the, the pants and the shirt with the collar, that button up and yeah, down yeah, with yeah. the collar, oh. with the like, sleep cap. Do they, but do they match? Oh, yeah. Are they silk? Oh, always. Do they match? Not, not, no, not, not between us. We do have some silk, yeah. <laughs> Mike, I love you. <laughs> 
<laughs> I like weird stuff. All right. Let's introduce our fantasy brains for the podcast. Of course, three of my favorite fantasy footballers. We've got Magic Mike, Mr. Papa Bear Claw. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Papa Bear Claw. Say hello to our fantasy football fans. Hello. I had to pause my drink for that. <laughs> and of course, he's not Clark Kent today, but we'll go with Superman. We've got Henry St. Clair. At Clairvoyance FF on Twitter. Yep. What's going on? Phalanges. <laughs> and of course, last but never least, our number one Iowa fan, Mr. Nick James. On Twitter, you can find him at Iowa in the NFL. Hello, my only friends, and to all our only friends. And of course, I'm your hostess, Gina Noble, and you can find me on Twitter at noble g underscore ff so let's get into my least favorite thing to do in fantasy football which is trading my anxiety is up even talking about it on this podcast (laughs) but I have to say these three guys absolutely love trading. They live for it and they have great advice when it comes to it. So we are getting into the point of fantasy football of bye weeks. Bye weeks get very interesting. You can go from having great rosters to WTF am I going to do this week? So perhaps we want to facilitate some trading during bye weeks. What would be our strategy? or philosophy using bye weeks when it comes to trading. Yeah, if you're going WTF, like, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, (laughs) you get to Sunday and you may not have a second quarterback because you didn't draft the appropriate depth or maybe you've had a slew of injuries. Part of being able to get a trade done to begin with is a reason for the trade to occur. Every once in a while, you get a trade where it's like, I like this guy better. No, I like this guy better. And you're able to make a trade because because two people think just differently on a single player. Like when you're actually doing it with a motive, like I need a third QB or I need someone who I can play this week, or I'm trying to reduce my max points for, for this season. You're looking for motives to want to trade, to have them interested in entertaining it to begin with. Well, one of these ready-made reasons is bye weeks. I don't have someone to play this week. I went and set the vast majority of my rosters well, all of my starting rosters, at least uh, for the first time for next week. And my flexes suck in most of the leagues at this point. Like you're playing guys who you're not really wanting to play. It'll depend on how waivers go or whatever. But, you know, you're you're into your depth. So if you don't have depth, that's when people are interested in depth. For these first few weeks, there's no bye weeks. You're playing your best players and you have 10, 11 other players on your bench that you, you know, I'm set. I don't need anything. You get to bye weeks. Uh, I need a lot of things. So bye weeks are a motive to start a trade negotiation. No, I agree with a lot of what Nick said there. I generally don't trade to get like bye week fill-ins in Dynasty. I mean, but the bye weeks do kind of open my eyes up more to where my depth is on a team. Uh, when you're down two or three guys on your starting lineup and you're playing those guys you really don't want to play. I mean, it's not necessarily targeting somebody like in redraft to fill in for the week. You're still looking long term, but then you start to see that your depth's not quite there, especially if you're down one or two guys in injury. It is a great, t- you know, it is a great time if you're rebuilding to kind of target the competitors who, you know, the guys who have the good records, top couple of positions there with their bi-week replacements because they're kind of
kind of more in it to win it at that point. I think that's probably the better way to target a bye week trade. Henry, any thoughts? Yeah, uh, this week you have Lions, Titans, Raiders, and Texans on. Oh my. Not some of the best teams. So maybe this is a week um, where not a ton of people are affected because they've already been without DeAndre Swift and Amon Ra for a week. So, you know, there's going to be some bipocalypse weeks, though, where there's like, you know, six or eight teams on bye. Those are the weeks that people are really going to need those fill in quarterbacks, where if you have, you know, even like a Bailey Zapp or Zappy who uh, is playing for a week or Skylar Thompson is playing for a week or something weird, you could potentially get like a third or something for just a one week quarterback, basically. Or PJ Walker. Yeah, PJ Walker. But he could play a couple weeks in Carolina. Obviously, a new head coach. They got rid of the Matt Rule problem. I hope this doesn't mean Cam is coming back. Don't do it, Carolina. Do they have a new head coach? Yeah, they just appointed like their offensive coordinator or something. I don't know exactly. And how's that working out for them? The offensive coordinating. We'll find out. <laughs> uh, we'll see this week if they beat the Rams, which with how awful the Rams are playing. Yeah, I mean, they've got PJ, but it's not like fancy PJ. It's not like Silk or anything. There's no collar on PJ for sure. <laughs> no. Maybe a horse collar call, but... <laughs> No initials embroidered. <laughs> no silky pajamas there. To Henry's point there about who's on by, you may have been riding Josh Jacobs as currently the fourth best RB in points per game. Oh my God, I love that Josh Jacobs is killing it right now, by the way. Absolutely killing it. And probably not on another team. Call back to last week. <laughs> also call back to last week, Mike Saquon fell another spot in average points per game for running back. He's down to three. He's number three. Chubb fell a spot as well, down to number two. Oh. Okay. And do you know who the number one is? Jalen Hurts. It's going to be weird, isn't it? It's going to be, it would be a jersey. We might buy you in a white elephant <laughs> gift exchange. <laughs> like 180-something rushing yards on, like, 13 carries. Oh, he don't count. Yeah. It's going to be your Christmas <laughs> present, Mike. I will wear it somewhere. Oh, we're all wearing it. If I have to wear a Cam Newton jersey, you're definitely wearing an Eckler yeah. jersey. Ooh, which Cam Newton jersey would we get you, though? It doesn't matter. They're all disgusting. <laughs> Panthers, Patriots. Well, Eckler would be some fancy PJs. I might sew a collar on. If I knew how to sew, I would sew a collar on that jersey for you. You just gotta get a pattern. So real quick while we're on the subject of bye weeks, this is not necessarily about trading, but I'm just curious. Do you guys like to stack your bye week players or do you like to spread them out? That's like more of a redraft uh, problem that people look at. I think people also overemphasize that too much because there's almost always someone that you can plug in. Obviously it's a problem if you have like a stack where it's like Mahomes and Kelsey are your stack and they go and buy. It might cost you a week, but obviously you're good every other week. So that's kind of the, the balance there. I don't think it really matters. Okay. Mike, the question was, do you like to, do you have a preference as far as stacking bi-week players or do you like to make sure you're drafting players that are spread out on bye weeks? Like how much thought do you put into bye weeks when you're drafting a team? Absolutely zero when building a team. Okay. Not even a thought. I don't even look at the bye week number. I, I don't think about the bye week. I don't plan for the bye weeks. I don't take a quarterback because my other two quarterbacks are on the same bye week in a dynasty league. If I had it my way, every one of my players would be with the same bye week, but I don't pay attention. So you would prefer to stack? If I had a preference, I, I wish everybody on my team was on bye week one week altogether. I agree. I would much rather just deal with 
that one week lose. I'm probably not winning, but then it's done and I move on and I have like the strongest possible lineup moving forward. Yeah, in Dynasty, it's not something you can think about because it's something that changes year over year. What you do know is when you have stacked players on the same team that they are going to have the same bye week. You right. can <laughs> at least know that for sure. And even then, you don't know that because Josh Jacobs may not have the same bye week as Adams next year because he may not be on the Raiders, for example. You know, you can only think about it so much now. Now, I don't like to stack a ton of players from one team. It's fine if you have, like, the wide receiver or maybe even the second wide receiver as long as you have a lot of good startable depth you end up having the second wide receiver on team it's not bad because then when like t higgins is questionable sunday night you can still throw in boyd and you have a ready-made player to to flop in if need be or whatever not something that's super relevant when it comes to drafting some of people's favorite thing about dynasty is trading and like here in these bye weeks when we've got a team that's five and oh now going into this week and they have been riding Goff and Carr as their QBs, and they're both on bye this week, then they're going to be interested in buying somebody. Now, it doesn't mean necessarily they're going to go out and be really super interested in paying a lot for a really good quarterback when they already have two that have been at least serviceable at that point. But this is an opportunity to sell Brissett. Yep. This is an opportunity to sell Marcus Mariota. There's players who are not going to be probably starters by the end of the season and probably not starters next year. So when you look at those players, those are players where it's like if you can pivot off of these players and still be able to make it through week to week through the playoffs or whatever those are positive moves for you so even like jimmy g because it's not a just certain that he's going to be a starter next year you could totally see him being like a starter for the first three weeks ahead of stroud on someone's team next year being the veteran back up there with a rookie qb so it's something where you're trying to move off these players even maybe more high profile players like aaron Rodgers and tom Brady and I've been trying relentlessly to sell Matt Ryan in a couple leagues. Been able to in at least one other league. And there's another league where everyone has absolutely no interest in Matt Ryan whatsoever, even if it's 14 super flex or not. That, that was me. <laughs> I was like, yes, Mike, do you have a question? <laughs> we do like the pajamas. <laughs> I said no Matt Ryan. Yeah, I mean no Matt Ryan. You're in half of them anyways. <laughs> I got offered a really good deal for CMC in a 14 Superflex League that led to me selling Matt Ryan. The first trade I got offered earlier last week was Owave, Malik, and the 23 first for Christian McCaffrey. My team had either won one or zero games at that point, but my max PF was still kind of high. And I just looked at it like... This is the appropriate value where it's like a W for selling McCaffrey, even if it's not great for the now. At that point, Olave is healthy or healthy enough. So I went ahead and took that deal and figured, hey, you know, if an opportunity comes along to go full rebuild, I'll just completely turn it in towards next year. I sent out some offers and completely forgot. And a couple days later, one was accepted and it was sending Matt Ryan and Brissett, an older player who is on the verge of retirement, if not dust, one or the other or both, one of the two or both of the two. Uh, but Brissett, timer ticking before Watson returns, but you know, he's been better than a lot of quarterbacks who you like. And then Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook, two players that are well past that, or that are past that 26 and a half point barrier for running backs and only going to be a year older next year. So as a rebuild sent those four and got Javante Williams, who is currently on IR, Traylon Burks, who had gone on IR after I had offered this trade, Sam Howell, and then his 23 first. So Ryan Brissett, Fournette, Cook for Javante Williams. 
Williams, Traylon Burks, Sam Howell, and a 23 first. And this is 14 super flex. 23 first probably projects to be late. It is 14. So worst case scenario, that ends up being like pick 14 or 13. But yeah, you said that was a 14 team? Correct. Depending on where that first lands, I don't know if you just talked about that. Mm -hmm. Late. Yeah, that'll be interesting because I don't think you're getting a quarterback there. Obviously, I don't think uh, Brissett's a starting quarterback next year. Matt Ryan, depending on how the Colts can finish the year, maybe he gets another year in Indianapolis. But basically moving, you know, Fournette for Burks and Cook for Javante, I think is really good. And then getting a first basically for Matt Ryan is what you'd want regardless of how Matt Ryan's performing. And right now he's not performing at all for fantasy. So I think that's why it's been a little harder to move him. If he were putting up, you know, 18, 20 points ever in a week, he would be an easier sell target to win now teams. But really it's just, you know, I've made some offers, but know that uh, he's got to put up a good week before someone's actually going to yep. be interested in playing him, even though I would still potentially take him inexpensively in a deal, not for a 23 first to do that. But I understand Sam Howell, kind of like a mystery piece in there. Yeah. Ron Rivera kind of throwing Wentz under the bus a little bit this week. I don't know if uh, everyone saw the comments after that. He definitely tried to backtrack it a bit. Yeah, it was like, what differentiates the teams in the NFC East or something? And he gave like a one word response of quarterback. And it's interesting because it's like, man, are you really saying that like Daniel Jones is now like why the Giants are winning? No, he's not why they're winning. He can be good and he can, you know, manage a team to a victory, but he's not the reason they're winning. It's their defense, the running game, everything like that. And then Jalen Hurts, who the Eagles have tried to get rid of numerous times, and Cooper Rush, all right? Like, the quarterbacks are not the reasons that these NFC teams, or NFC East teams are winning. I think Heineke still sits second on the depth chart over Howell. Uh, obviously, Howell had that precipitous draft day fall all the way to the fifth round. So curious if he gets a shot if Wentz were to go down and Heineke doesn't play well or something weird or their season's just totally over. So they put him in like with Will Greer a while back. But yeah, he's not someone that I'm going after at all. No, not necessarily a target, but no. giving up Brissett that's absolutely nothing next year. And this is yep. something that's going to also score zero this year for me, which mm -hmm. uh, these leagues are all determined by max PF as far as what your finish is for your max points for. You're all your optimal lineups combined. That's what max PF is in reverse. And that's your order for picks, not your finish. So this is something where it's like, eh, maybe, maybe not, whatever. It's not going to do anything that's going to hurt my pick for next year. Where Brissette is hurting my pick for next year and getting me absolutely nothing next year. I think the majority of people that are just in a couple of dynasty leagues probably have some sort of rule in place of you must play you know a competent lineup every week and attempt to win but i would also imagine that you know people that just have four leagues of dynasty or two dynasty leagues or something probably go just off record but there is an argument to be made for why you should do reverse max pf that we've talked about in previous podcasts and so if your league hasn't made that transition it's kind of like transitioning from waivers to a fab system where it's just a little more advanced and tends to make things go easier where there's not so much micromanaging that's a like a whole can of worms yep. especially from a management perspective where you have to be the god of start sit and say who people can and can't play and you're not playing the best lineup you know it's like i'd rather just put it up to numbers where there's no person involved as far as for me personally but max pf if your leagues are determined by that there's like a whole strategy that goes 
with it. And I know Mike gets it as well as anybody. Oh yeah, there's definitely a strategy for doing that. How do you use that to your advantage? Max PF, I mean, it depends on where I'm going with the startup or I mean, if I'm trading, I mean, obviously with Max PF, what you really want to do is lower the points that you're going to score over the course of a season. So if, especially if I'm rebuilding, I'm going to be targeting every player that I think is like a top end player that's on the IR. Javante, um, Dak, Watson, if eligible. Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Anybody who's not going to score points is, and another thing that you really need to consider with Max PF is there's a good way to cheat it. It's by fading an entire position. So that's dumping your running backs, maybe your tight end position and just keeping quarterback and wide receiver. I mean, even if you have the two top two top quarterbacks and you're loaded at wide receiver, your points for is still going to be low because you're fading three entire positions. Picking up draft picks, obviously, is also going to do the same thing with lowering those points. At the same time with Max PF, it does that you don't get any benefit from not setting your best possible lineup. So you can still end up winning games and going forward, but that's how I usually go for the Max uh, to lower my back, Max PF. Yeah, I did want to say about uh, Washington is I'm not taking too much thought into what Ron Rivera has to say because I don't think he's going to have to be able to say it for so long, for too long. Hot seat. Yeah, it was weird as well. Like after that quote, he like clarified, he's like, Wentz did a lot of amazing things this week. Like that's why he's our long-term solution at quarterback. He'll do better as he gets acclimated. A complete 180. He's like, this is his first year here of mini or something. I was like, okay, well. I think it was more like the voice in his head <laughs> spoke out his mouth and he was like, ooh, let me walk that back. He's like the coach. Like everybody like hears him say something and, it, and then like everyone just kind of like just takes it, the you know, as gospel. Like that that's exactly what's going to happen, you know. Gibson's the next CMC. Brian Robinson's the RB1. Gibson's only a kick returner. Brian Robinson. I'm so glad you brought him up. Had three times as many carries as Gibson last week. And it was his limited first start. I'm really, really sad that I feel like Antonio Gibson has seen his best days and they are in the rear view mirror. By the time you hear this podcast, they will have already played. And we'll see what happens. But uh, a little scary for uh, Gibson shares, but possibly encouraging for Brian a Robinson little? shares. I've had more offers in the last couple days for Brian Robinson than any other player. He's one of my yeah, most rostered rookies. Move him if people like think that he's Damian Pierce or Kenneth Walker type of value. People are like, he's a rookie running back. He's going to be a star young running back. What if he has third round draft capital? I'm 99% sure that he's already like 32 years old and <laughs> had a bunch of injuries in college. So I don't know that he's someone you want to, you know, tie your horse to or however that's saying. Brian Robinson? He's like 24 almost, he's... 23 and a half or something. He's, oh, he's older. Like, wow. you, you were not quite a decade off, but it was close. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Might as well be with this group. <laughs> I traded today for McCaffrey from a rebuild. With Goddard, it was non-TEP, but uh, 12 team super flex for James Cook and Brian Robinson. Yeah, like I said, you know, I saw that trade. I don't think it was one of the ones that I, I noted because I was like, dang, you know, in my opinion, that's selling pretty high on Brian Robinson. Like, I think that you might have gotten the better end of the deal, but if Brian Robinson winds up becoming a workhorse, you know, there's a world where he's a top 20 dynasty running back or something. So you put Gibson's name there instead of Brian Robinson, right? Do you like the deal then? Yeah. If you tell me Brian Robinson has, you know, two years of a thousand 
yards, borderline top 12 RB. It's like, yeah, I love the deal for him then. And mm -hmm. James Cook becomes the starter next year. It's like, you know, it could go the other way. So if you can sell that Brian Robinson has Gibson's old Upside. perceived value, and that's Brian Robinson's new value, that's a sell at that value. What if McCaffrey goes to Buffalo? Yeah, yeah. that would be That crossed very... my mind as well. Like, if he went to Buffalo, <laughs> then James Cook is definitely the back backup. Yeah, I think Zach Moss. But if he doesn't, which it, it already seems yeah. pretty dubious, but still a possibility. You know, if he gets traded to Buffalo, do they send back James Cook or Zach Moss or mm -hmm. something? You know, that could be interesting oh. if James Cook goes to Carolina because he the starter. becomes the real be cool. new CMC. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I'm not really sure anything can help Carolina right now. Yeah. They should definitely trade the player that has the most jerseys in the stands. That seems like a logical decision. Yes. That's the only <laughs> thing that sells anything for them. Let's get rid of him. There you go. Let's bring somebody else in instead. They got to get rid of him eventually. Hey, is it true that if you buy the jersey, some, somebody mentioned this yesterday, and I don't know if it's true or not, and maybe it's depending on the team. If you buy the jersey of a player and they get traded within the year, you can like go back, like bring it back and a trade lot of it teams in will do that. for a different jersey. Okay. Yeah, 100%. Um, so if you buy the jersey for $80 and they get traded, you can bring the jersey and $80 and get a new jersey. <laughs> uh, they'll, they'll take the jersey and you can buy yourself another one. You know, I kind of feel like in the theme of trading, there's some people that trade like that as well. Let me have that number one player yeah. and your number one pick for my crap. The Broncos. Yes. <laughs> and that <laughs> is a perfect transition to Zach's question. Yes. It is. Let's bring in a question that was asked today. He is the host of the Tripwire podcast, Zach Attack. He is at FF Chalupa Batman. And his question was, the typical recommended trading strategy is to get the best player in the one for two deal. In what scenario does it help your team more to get the two player side of that trade? I know Mike had something good for that. We saw this earlier. And I mean, if you're doing a two for one trade and you're the person getting the one, I'm assuming you're consolidating your roster. You're more of like a win now team. You have a lot of pieces. If you're getting the two pieces generally to me, that's more of a rebuilding or retooling team. So what I'd be looking for is to get the two pieces with a, that are ascending or a higher upside. For example, let's say that the piece one is Cook. I'm going to want a younger running back and another piece that I think they're going to grow in value more than Cook will by the time I'm ready to actually use those pieces. Selling Dalvin? Yes, Dalvin Cook. You know, Dalvin Cook, Kamara, that type of player. If you have a deeper league with a large star starting lineup, it doesn't really do you any help to have one certain player when you can fill two or three roster spots on that team and, and improve your points more than just that one player was. That's another scenario. Yeah, in the offseason, I moved Josh Jacobs, and maybe I undersold him a little bit off what we've seen now. But when there's speculation with the new coaching staff that, you know, Zamir and all that and Jacobs, they didn't pick up the fifth-year option, whatever, I moved him for Mooney and Gabe Davis. Now, that's a situation where running back is obviously inherently more valuable because of positional scarcity, and uh, he's been a three-down back this year and is capable of doing so. But getting two younger wide receivers than the running back to me was worth the potential that one of them becomes, you know, a top 24 guy. I thought Mooney would do better than he has been. But one where... But Gabe Davis hasn't disappointed. Yeah, 
I mean... He was injured, but... It's kind of what we all thought with Gabe Davis. It's like, you're going to be really happy in those weeks where it's they triple-team Stefan Diggs and leave him with nobody on him. So, is Gabe Davis a sell high? I would say so after this week. Or do you think this is something where you can kind of expect something similar for their years to come? Something similar to like a three... Like a, like that type of game? I don't think we could expect that. You can expect blow-up game and then down game. Mm-hmm. And there's a blow-up game, what, week one? It was week one. He had like the weird play on the play action, naked bootleg, and just like was wide open in the end zone. That's pretty much all his touchdowns. Like no one's anywhere close to the guy. He's boom bust, but it's like mega boom. Yep. And, you know, medium floor bust. It also helps that Dawson Knox has been injured a little bit for him. Uh, Knox didn't play this week, so he had a huge boom. Khalil Shakir. Shakira, Shakira. Okay, the wide receiver who played the third most amount of snaps. Gabe Davis seems really bad to have on a rebuilding team that gets uh, draft picks by Max PF. Yeah. It's like you, all your other receivers are getting your points for your Max PF, and all of a sudden it's like 40 points in one week, and the team just blows up. Also, the rumor is obviously OBJ is still floating out there, and unlike Will Fuller, teams actually want OBJ. And it's kind of been assumed that he might go back to the Rams, and then the other speculations have been the Packers, and the Bills seem to be the current betting favorite because they have the best record and Von Miller's there and they played in Los Angeles last year and it seems like there's some sort of romance between you know wanting to play with Josh Allen so if he goes there man I think you could really be left holding the bag on Gabe Davis for at least the year right like he helps you the first eight or so weeks OBJ comes off the knee injury and in playoffs you have Gabe Davis who's now not playing football because it's OBJ Diggs and Crowder or McKenzie in the slot they're not going to kick Davis into the slot He's not going to play there. Oh, that would be heartbreaking. To circle back to what the original question was, you sold a two for one. You got two ascending players like Mike Mm. likes to target in this scenario. You did sell a running back, which are a little bit harder to come by, but you got two ascending players at the same time. Even with Jacobs doing well now, he doesn't have a certain future pass this year. I mean, like, it looks good, but we really don't know for sure. I think perfect example of when I'd rather have the two than the one. It's when you can tear up slightly from one and then get something that you like a lot as well with that second. Your depth of starters and depth of bench start coming into play when you go for those two for ones and whatnot. Like, can you stash lots of players or is your bench are your bench spots very limited? Because sometimes that two for one doesn't make sense because your bench just eventually gets so stacked. You know what I mean? You're cutting Paris Campbell. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, there was a point that offseason in that league where I cut Jimmy Garoppolo because because I, he wasn't on the team or wasn't going to start or whatever, and I traded for Gabe Davis and Mooney, and that's what put me over uh, by one. Mm-hmm. And so I had to get rid of somebody, and now I wish I had kept Garoppolo uh, over somebody else. That's a good point with like the uh, with the rosters, because if, you, if your team is too shallow, like doing the two for ones is even kind of worse because you really can't. You're losing a roster spot at that point. It's not like a super deep league where that roster spot is negligible in value, like you know where you're still rostering guys that aren't even on team anymore. Yep, so super deep the two for one, you can definitely if you can win on total value, those are better moves than shallow benches for sure. I was just going to say, what about a situation where you feel pretty good you have a win now team and maybe you trade away a younger guy for two older guys that can make an impact like immediately. Yeah, I did that last year. I traded 
away gosh who was it it was some young wide receiver i think it was Pittman. i traded away michael Pittman for like melvin gordon and aaron jones or something in a league and i was like you know i really need the two running backs this year and i really don't want to give up on this young guy but i don't have any running backs to play like at all and my team is going into the playoffs so that's the situation where i do it the two for one deal becomes especially interesting it's definitely a thought in redraft always i mean the one side typically wins getting the better players typically always better in redraft so if that's what the question was based off of then it's a little harder but in dynasty it's almost like if i'm giving up the one i want at least one and like a third times the value on the two side because of the roster space that the one side's getting and then also like the one player is obviously better than the two players like as a fantasy producer or is perceived to be at least but then you have the stud factor of playing them in your lineup whereas the other guys maybe they're flex guys or maybe they're just you know depth pieces or whatnot by week fill-ins by week fill-ins so it's it's um it's the advantage of being able to get like a McCaffrey and load him into a spot if I'm giving up McCaffrey then I need uh, probably a little more than he's worth if I'm getting two lesser ath- assets yep and like how I math it is what how good is the best player on pre-agency currently was he worth and that's what that roster spot is worth and that value is added to Christian McCaffrey yeah Christian McCaffrey for Olave Willis in a first it's not just that it's actually Christian McCaffrey and a roster spot for Olave Willis in a first and eventually another roster spot with the of the first yep eventually now it starts becoming less important managing long-term roster spots because you don't actually ever have to make that pick right so it's not something where it's like I'm automatically counting that as a roster spot when you start going into futures because a lot of times like this offseason I shed a lot of various depth pieces for pieces people wanted as long as it was for a pick that freed up roster space or two for ones that freed up roster space another way to balance this to answer the question is adding picks to the other side like a first and a player like sometimes you can even give up the best player and another player for one player and a pick and it makes sense so you don't even have to get the best player in a deal in a one for two if you get a first with it for example right like if you're moving Javante or something who's injured currently and you mm-hmm. needed two playable assets right like let's say you had Javante but your team is super win now and so you need to go get a running back and then maybe you also need you know flex wide receiver or something so would you go out and get DeAndre Hopkins who maybe has a year left in the tank and you know I don't even know what sort of running back you could pair with that that would be good I would say like Rashad Penny but he just got hurt Montgomery Montgomery's a little young maybe like Fournette but he's maybe a little too pricey so I don't know someone who's older like a Kareem Hunt right Hunt's a decent example that sounds bad yeah <laughs> gross but if you absolutely <laughs> needed them to go to go win this year because you need a running back D hop is on my no fly list so it's hard right I, I get it. Just an example. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. I feel like he's like Julio. He's just going to keep getting hurt. And then I, I just, I know Javante is probably going to be out to like week eight, but like to sacrifice him to get a, a 27 or 28 year old one year rental and a 30 year old wide receiver just sounds like a, a losing move to me. Even if you get like Fournette playing as like an RB6, you're just losing a tremendous amount of 
value unless winning just this year is that important to you for a lot of people it is like just to win the championship for one year but for me to sacrifice that much value over time it's not worth it for me when do you think what week does Javante Williams play next year I'm assuming he's out the first half of the year I'd say maybe a little sooner than that his injury was less severe than Dobbins but it's not always cookie cutter you know you go he tore fewer ligaments you don't always know exactly how frayed the ligaments are how the surgery went how the recovery process is going to go at least a year he's going to miss the start of the season like Dobbins did where he's you know raring to go but the team's going to be a little cautious maybe like week four or six yeah I've been taking him in as if he's out until week nine like he's out the first eight weeks that's where that's what I'm taking him in as I'd say definitely be back by week nine yeah that's a safe bet yeah like I had a rebuilding team in the last like week or so I think I sent Kamara straight for him yeah Hmm. so on the subject of rebuilding I want to get into uh trading philosophy strategies for rebuilding um especially since we're talking about Javante I do want to say thank you to Zach attack for sending in that question and if you're listening we love questions it sparks good conversation so as always please send us your questions if you ever have any so thank you Zach from the trip wire podcast for sending in that question we appreciate it and thank you guys for your answers watch out let's go back don't trip watch out <laughs> there's a wire <laughs> for, the, for the trip wire <laughs> <laughs> Bum ching you guys Silly. <laughs> okay, let's get back to Javante Williams. So he could be looked at as a great piece for trading right now for rebuilding. Great piece to look into for next year. So maybe you've decided you don't have the strongest team this year and you need to start acquiring some pieces to make you super strong for next year. Maybe you've thrown in the towel and you're like, yeah, I got nothing. So what are my pieces that I'm going for who am I selling? How am I rebuilding this team? So let's get back to Javante Williams. Great rebuild piece. Obviously sitting on IRs right now. He's not coming back. Are we we're targeting Javante for rebuilds? Yes, but I don't I don't necessarily go with like make my team super strong next year thing. I just try to get as much ascending values and dart throws on the team as possible. I load up my team in the IR. Your buy lows I'm going after. Obviously, I'm going for picks and I'm just trying to get all of this ascending value to try to get as much to hit as possible so I can build a solid team out of it rather than keeping players that are gonna be worthless. We're always trying to make a super strong team so maybe not just specifically next year but oh, yeah that's the end that's the end goal <laughs> yeah our goal is to make a super strong team yeah. so Javante can be a piece in that it depends how active you are with trading if you're trading for Javante looking to go strong into 2023 that that's probably the wrong way to look at it just because he'll be missing more time in 2023 yeah like even guys like you know Lance and everything maybe they start a little slow after they get back like when you get all the IR players on your team like I do it in a lot of leagues I did it in a lot of Iowa's leagues last year and next leagues last year your team starts off slow it's not something that's going to come out like a bat out of hell it's you know it takes development but you really do have a good way of building a good roster out of those players nick i'm sorry what were you yeah what was your point there 
I like what Mike said as far as just gathering players that are ascending in value. The best course of action for someone who is active trading because you're constantly buying things that are rising in value and swapping them out until eventually you are able to at least consolidate or you have a roster that is worth more than it was a year ago. You know, when you buy the past Apex players, some of it is going to fall off. Now you can play the game and try to time it right where you still have a legit starting roster, but buying ascending values puts you in a position to make a move to go for it when you have enough pieces in place or enough capital or value in place. Noble, I think we had one other trade question. Yes. So we have one other question, trade question, that comes from Jemmo the Icon. I actually met Jemmo in a best ball league for charity, and he asked, would you sell Najee for Mostert and a 23 second rounder? With a gun to my head. <laughs> so I told him, no way, I'm not buying Mozart, uh, Mr. Rahim made of glass Mozart under probably any circumstance, unless he's an additional piece in something. I'm like, he's 30. If this is Dynasty, we're not acquiring Mozart, and I'm definitely not trading Najee unless I'm getting a lot more for it. Whenever I get the questions, there's always an element of league dependent, because not everyone uses the same assumptions we do. True. When you hear second round pick, you can assume it's probably talking about Dynasty because you're not trading second round picks in redraft. So you at least know it's Dynasty at that point. I assume 12 team Superflex, PPR, Dynasty with like 300 rostered or more. When I see this, it, if I'm using those assumptions, that is a lot less than I'd like to sell. Which is a lot less than I want to be Dodgy Harris for. I mean, holy cats. Najee has been suboptimal so far. So this is someone that's freaking out because he hasn't put up more than 14 or more points in any week so far this season. And this is the running back who even in dynasty startups is going top five running back off the board. He's currently the 29th and he goes into Tampa this week. The switch to Pickett, maybe that makes a difference, but he didn't target Najee a lot. Pickett's got a decent set of legs on him where a lot of the check down Charlies to running backs. I don't know. It's it, at least Najee's young. Wait, nope. He's older than all kinds of people except Burrow so get up on a positive note he was dealing with like a light wasn't he dealing with an injury most of the season and then Liz Frank yep. yeah Pickett's first game starting is against Buffalo mm-hmm. so then he gets Tampa mm-hmm. so it's probably gonna be rough again next week like I, I understand getting panicked on Najee I mean I'm definitely nervous he's looks even worse than he did last year and he did not look good last year either obviously you look at oh he was like running back six and you, then you look at it and it's like he got like three points six yards a carry and he's at like three yards a carry this year he was never efficient he hasn't been efficient the entire time in the nfl he's been getting a ton of volume and, and now this year the volume's not there yep. pretty con- it's a little concerning so we're not we're not fire sailing him yet and this question was he buying Najee? no i think he was getting mostert it's like would you sell Najee for mostert in a second the answers are resounding no no mostert has been flashing he might have taken it from chase he played 95 percent of snaps last week mm-hmm. the Queen here. One of her favorite players is Miles.
Miles Gaskin, who got more run than Chase Edmonds last week. I was just going to say, my recommendation would be to actually go pick up Gaskin, <laughs> who's probably available on your waiver wire for free. Probably not. He's still rostering a ridiculous saying, amount of I, leagues. Yeah, if you're in a league with me. <laughs> So what I see in this question is, should I panic and get rid of Najee? That's fine if you want to. Yep. Just make it for more than that. Yeah, definitely. Don't go get a 30-year-old running back who's oft injured. I right, negotiated right. a trade that didn't end up going down. We ended up doing a smaller deal. But I was trying to send Najee in a trade for Saquon in a mix of other things. Trying to turn oh, this good RB into that RB. We've talked about it, how it's like he's not a younger prospect. It just sounds like we're just beating the drum on age or whatever. It's going to be two years before Brees Hall is this age. Yeah. So it's like he's hitting that 24 and a half now. It's when the Steelers are not going to be good. Then he's 25 going into next year. So it's like, what is his startup value at that point? Like, where are you taking him there? Especially if it's a kind of consistent, but no spike weeks kind of value. It's scary for sure, but if you have people who, okay, I still believe you know it is just what it is with the various excuses i'm willing to sell at the old value i'm not willing to sell low though so this is still nausea this is still nausea yes. correct i'm willing to sell at yesterday's price still yeah there's a reason that the majority of us if not all three of us that uh, actively rank players have or had swift and Javante over Najee Harris and it's the mm-hmm. age and when you're already that age he's not going to get a second contract when he turns 28 or 29 at the end of his deal if they pick up the fifth year option so this is a running back that you're at most getting three more years out of and if he's injured or splitting work with like Jalen Warren it's not going to be great now my Tomlin historically is used to bell cow running back so maybe it's just the injury thing and acclimating to a new quarterback I think brighter days are ahead this season for Najee but yeah uh, Mostert and the second is like nowhere close enough I don't know if I probably wouldn't even move him for Camara in a second still I'm not one to tear him down into an older running back no. but what I would be willing to do is use him to go and trade for like Swift or Javante and a first or something or Javante your bye week Yep. Listen to this podcast this weekend and you send Najee for Swift who doesn't play this week and has been hurt. Yeah, I don't know if anyone's doing that currently with the way Najee's been playing but maybe if they see Swift has been injured not sure how long he's going to be injured or whatnot, not playing. And it's not this week either. You may not have an RB. Yeah, right. One of my Najee trades from the offseason is starting to look real good. I got Brees Hall and right now what is projected to be the 23-101 for him. Yep, I would definitely have Brees over Najee currently. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, good point with Brees. Do you have anything for Brees, Noble? Yeah, so Brees Hall has a pretty remarkable game this past week. Could have been a lot better. He got, like, tackled on, like, what, the three-yard line? They put Michael Carter. Like twice. tackled on the two-yard line, Michael mm-hmm. Carter. Yeah, Michael mm-hmm. Carter got two rushing touchdowns because Brees Hall was, like, <laughs> tired from running 75 yards through eight defenders. Like, all right, Michael Carter come in the game and just run it down their throats. Am I so crazy for 
Gravin Carter is like running back 27 in the offseason? No, no. Um, it's just the Jets being interesting. He's putting up points now. You are closer than me, at least. But what I guess I'm bleeding to here with Brees Hall is what's the odds that he's the number two running back in dynasties to start next season? Pretty high. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor, you think, still above him? Yeah. yeah. Pass Swift and then these other guys that aren't doing as well. Yeah, yeah he's definitely going to be top three. He'll probably be like what Javante was coming into this year where like a good group of people are like solidly high on him where they have him as like RB3 and then you have people who are like oh you guys are crazy you split and work and it's the Jets and then they have him like much lower. Even then with Javante it was like Melvin Gordon is the star of yesteryear we all have seen him for five years be amazing and they split the year before whereas Brees Hall is splitting-ish with Michael Carter who's what a fourth rounder out of North Carolina. It's like Brees is pretty clearly entrenched as the one, whereas there was a sect of people that were like, you know, Gordon and Javante 50-50 forever. In Brees Hall's first five games, he has scored more points the next game than the previous game in all five games in a row. I don't think that's happening next week. we will give a bit <laughs> of like 28 or whatever it was, but yeah, maybe. He'll definitely hit yeah. a wall as bye week at the very least. Never say never. <laughs> yeah, gosh, who do they play this week? It's a pretty tough matchup, is it not? At Green Bay. Green Bay, maybe. Maybe you can run the ball against Green Bay. The new Rodgers versus the old Rodgers. Zach Wilson being Aaron Rodgers, that is. He's a buy high for me. Like, I would pay top whatever the price is for Brees Hall to get Brees Hall. Yeah. I mean, what do you win at that point, though? If you're buying high on Brees Hall, you're probably paying, like, a top five running back price, and then that, that's what you got. Mm-hmm. And if he is just not that... It's kind of a lateral move. You know, even if he just falls a little bit, it just ends up being lateral. When you buy a 22-year-old potential stud, you have some insulation on that purchase. Like, he could do poorly for the rest of the year, and he's still going to be valuable next year. You you can go down the list of all these running backs who are going to be 28 or 29 or even 30. It's like, okay, which ones aren't, right? There's only a handful. So, I mean, like, he could be mediocre for the rest of the year, and he's still going to be a top 12 running back next year. Yeah. Like, there's some insulation in the purchase with Brees Hall. So, that's why it's like I'm willing to... St- he could tear his ACL tomorrow and be a top 12 running back going into next yes. year. <laughs> yes. Normally, I am 100% there as far as you buy a top running back like Barkley right now, who's 25 and a half. Oof. I think with Barkley, he's sneaky younger than these other ones. He is sneaky younger. That's why Papa and I always liked him. We're like, he's significantly younger than Cook, Kamara, Eckler, and he's younger than CMC, like a year. Yeah. Is that what you're going to say? Uh, he's almost a year younger than Mixon. Yep. Uh, he's over a year younger than the whole Chubb, Eckler, Cook, Kamara tier. And McCaffrey as well, which is interesting. That's a whole nother season. Yep. And another contract. All those guys are second contract. Barkley's going to get paid and for multiple years. And he's not necessarily hurt right now, even though he's kind of he questionable and went to sideline last game and scared the bejesus out of me because I bought him in a couple different places. But still a couple years. So uh, someone who I'm not opposed to buying high on still with Barkley. So another buy high candidate happens to be a guy who Claire Voyance, Mr. Henry St. Clair, would classify as just about the perfect size, and that would be none other than Kenneth Walker. Yep, the best running back in college football last year. Uh, won whatever that award's called. <laughs> it's not the Paul Hornung Award, because that's a versatility award. It's the Doak Walker. Best running back award. Herschel Walker Award. It's the Kenneth Walker Award. It's actually Walker the award, award for being the, the perfect 
size. <laughs> yeah, it's the 5'9", 212-pound award. He wins it every year. <laughs> every year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kenneth Walker, this was... It's actually funny because I'm looking at him and you you actually own him in the <laughs> league. I'm looking at him like, naturally. Is he also 5'9", 212? Did I totally nail it? And... He's 5'9", 211. Dang, man. He... he lost the pound. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He didn't drink his bedside yeah. water. <laughs> no, he did. He drank too much. Yeah, this was the hope that... Um, I, know, I know Nick was in this camp as well. Papa and me specifically were banging the table um, repeatedly in leagues where people would talk poorly about Kenneth Walker, number two in the draft for rookies. And even on Twitter, you'd see people saying, after Garrett Wilson was having a good week or Drake London, people were like, seriously, people took Kenneth Walker over these guys. And it's like, well, the hope for Kenneth Walker is Rashad Penny on a one-year deal, $6 million. Penny, it took him long to break out and be good because he's always been hurt. And that's not always prescriptive of future injuries, but still being a cuff and taking over next year, we thought that we could see a Javante Williams level rise, where Javante went too late in rookie drafts last year and then eventually took over for Gordon. Kenneth Walker, we thought we were going to have to wait till next year. Um, broken news and broken leg for Rashad Penny. So now it is the Kenneth Walker show. He walked right into that. Yeah, Kenneth Walker, main runner. Yeah, we saw Penny have some good weeks, and now Kenneth Walker gets to not really have to split with anyone. I mean, Travis Homer, DJ Dallas. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be the the star of the run game there, and it's been a pretty good offense, surprisingly, thanks in part to their terrible defense. Do have to say, we didn't fully expect to wait a year. We were just waiting on Penny to get hurt. Or, or play poorly and Kenneth Walker be better because the talent. Or play poorly. Yeah. We believed was much better than Penny. Yeah. And then he was hurt at the beginning of the year. And yeah. People just faded him. And in training camp, and they just faded him. And they kept fading him. And all of a sudden, what was R102, we were getting in like the sixth and seventh rounds. And it was fantastic. Yep. And now I think we both have over 20% rostered Kenneth Walker. And it's looking pretty good right now. Yeah. I'm curious where I, I know there's still a giant chasm in the difference of rankings in the Dynasty community on Ken Walker right now. There's definitely some people you can still go acquire Kenneth Walker from cheaply that are like, well, you know, maybe he's the next guy up, but maybe it's Travis Homer because Kenneth Walker is just not good at football or something. Time to buy was last week. I think you're <laughs> going to have to go make that deal ASAP because when the numbers go up this week, they're going to go, ow, maybe he is good at football. He's going to be the biggest riser. I bought him over the last week in a deal that where I ended up sending Dalvin Cook as uh, part of the exchange of running backs there in a league that I was building this league i actually made three trades in one day and it was a team that i co-managed with noble but i did so and the end game accomplished something where it was like felt like i was like knocking on the door it's like guess what i have for you <laughs> i have a present <laughs> I moved everybody who was 26 years or older to a team that was winning. And even though we weren't doing as well with our record, our points against were the highest in the league. So we weren't winning a lot. So I basically just swapped out a bunch of older players for younger players. Aaron Rodgers, Dalvin Cook, Chris Godwin, Nick Chubb, and Terry McLaurin in exchange for Burrow. So younger Burrow to Rodgers. Akers, younger Dalvin Cook, Mooney, Godwin, Bateman, Chubb, Ken Walker, McLaurin. This is what 
after Penny's been doing well. Immediately turned around afterwards and sent Gabe Davis and Najee for Dobbins, Amon Ra, St. Brown, and Jameson Williams. So acquired an Amon Ra, St. Brown for the Queen. Nice. So Nick knew all of this would be better as long as he could come back. Like the only thing I would see from this, he'd be like, I got you Amon Ra, and I'd be like, you don't even need to explain. Yep. <laughs> You got JMO too in that one? Yep, I got JMO that one and then immediately turned and swapped nice. it with you for my first back for my rebuild. So I have something to play for with my first and then sent you Jameson Williams straight up for it. So big bunch of exchange where... You should have kept JMO. I probably should have, but at least this gives me something to play for because I am trying to tank for the remainder of the season. I gave you your first back, right? You did. I felt obligated, so I wanted that to work out. <laughs> it did. <laughs> I know you love JMO, though. I I do. I love JMO, and I hate Amon Ra less than I did in the offseason. I'm just imagining the upside of an offense led by Goff with a healthy JMO and Amon Ra and Swift and Hawkinson. I love how you guys float around the liking of Amon Ra. Like, you will find any phrasing that is not, I really like Amon Ra. <laughs> yeah, dislike him less. Uh, yes. We change our values on everything. Yeah. If if we didn't change our values on a daily basis, we would still have David Johnson as RB1. <laughs> yeah, Todd Gurley. You got you to you keep changing. I want you, my goal is to get you to feel about Amon Ra the way you feel about Barkley. Barkley could have no legs and Mike would still love Barkley. The thing is, no one can love Amon Ra like Noble can love Amon Ra. That's true, Nick. That is true. Or Gaskin. <laughs> I think uh, a price check on Ken Walker would be... You could probably go out and turn Aaron Jones into Ken Walker or Leonard Fournette into Ken Walker or even Cook Camara and get Ken Walker and maybe even like a second or something back or maybe just straight depending on the person. Ooh, I'm not giving you Walker. But that's how low I think some people still are on Ken Walker comparatively to where they should be and are going to be in a week or two because there was this perception of rookie drafts that he just was in a completely different tier than Brees Hall. It was Brees Hall 101 and Ken Walker, man, I don't want that guy. Let me take all the receivers over him. A lot on Dynasty Twitter were talking about how they just did not want Kenneth Walker, didn't understand why he was going so high. He went five picks after Brees Hall. There were three running backs taken in the second round. It was Brees at 36, Kenneth Walker at 41, and James Cook at 63. Kenneth Walker's closer to a first-round pick than a third-round pick. If you think Brees Hall was like some top 10 pick, amazing. I mean, he was an amazing prospect, but the draft capital difference between him and Walker was negligible, and a lot of boards of NFL teams had Kenneth Walker as the RB1. So, you know, I think there's still time to get out there and get him before people catch on. Kenneth Walker is about to or just turned 22 years old. He's so young. Yep. And I, I know he's 21. He's 21. Yeah. He is a top 12 running back next year for sure, if not by the end of the season. He's fast. Yeah. Yeah. People think that he's like some plotter or like... Like power runner? Yeah. Power runner who can't receive. And it's like it was Big Ten football. They throw the ball to zero running backs in the Big Ten. It's like Jonathan Taylor couldn't catch passes coming out of college. It's like, how'd that work out? Oh, he can catch passes when they're thrown to him. It's not like these guys have stones for hands. It's a football. They've been playing it their whole life. They can catch it. Does anyone have anything else they want to share before we get out of here? Go Giants. Yep. Go Giants. Yeah, if the Eagles lose this week, I think they fall to like third in the division, which is ridiculous because they're undefeated. <laughs> insane division. Insane division. I love the Giants, but I can't believe that they're 4-1 yeah. <laughs> 
on right now with that team. I don't know how that coach is winning games any way he can. Just just enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy it <laughs> until they finish four and thirteen. Ride the wave, Mike. Ride the wave. Like the Jets being three and two. So we are unfortunately out of time for the week. We I once again I do want to thank Zach and Jemo for sending their questions. Make sure if you're listening to this podcast, obviously you're listening to this podcast if you're listening to me right now, you go to rankdrafttrade.com. Check us out. Make sure you're following us. Follow each of us on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and you get updates every week. You definitely don't want to miss all of this awesome information. Mike, Henry, and Nick do such a great job giving you guys actionable information week after week after week, not to mention the entertainment. However, like I said, we are out of time. So, as always, thank you. We hope we made all of your fantasy dreams come true. And until next week, we hope your fantasy teams do awesome. Goodbye, TDP. Yeah. Peace out. <laughs> Exit stage left. Phalanges. Don't know what to do with phalanges. <laughs> Hit the follow button. <laughs> hit the follow button. Hit the yeah. phalange follow button. Use your phalange. Hit the follow button. <laughs> to download the podcast. <laughs> Only our friends, though. Fan langies. Only friends. <laughs> yes. Thank you to our only friends. <laughs> because we're lonely. <laughs> All right. Peace. Thanks for listening. Good night. There you go. Whenever Papa says good night, that's the end. <laughs> yes. Good night.